0: Good morning everybody. My name is Nathan. I'll be giving our scripture reading from t- for today. Uh, today's scripture reading is from Psalm 23 verses 1 to 4. Uh, it's short, but probably most of us will recognize it. Uh, again, that's from Psalm 23 verses 1 to 4 and I will be reading from the NIV. Again, Psalm 23 verses 1 to 4. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the dark through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they come for me. May God bless the reading of his word. Another word for them is spiritual disciplines, spiritual habits. They are to point us to the truth that Jesus is Lord and we, by faith, are children of God. So that's all the spiritual habits that you've heard if you've been raised in church are to point us to these truths again and again and again. Who Jesus is and who we are by faith in Christ Jesus. The habits of our hearts. Jesus is risen. He is Lord of all. He is creator of all things that we can see and touch and feel. And Easter Sunday last week, we celebrated the resurrection of Christ. As which that truth is on which we stand as believers and followers of Jesus because everything that he taught and all that he claimed about himself stands firm on the fact that he rose from the dead to prove that he is Lord of all, that he conquered death once and for all and gives us life in him. And then two weeks ago, we, are focus- we focused on this habit of prayer. And prayer, the habit of prayer, we saw, again, points us to Jesus as Lord, but it also then reminds us of our dependence on Him by the act of actually praying to Him. And in addition to that, His Spirit that dwells within us then transforms us in this act of prayer in being more and more like Jesus Himself. So that's the habit of prayer. Today, we're going to focus on the habit of delighting in the Lord. But delighting in the Lord? How can that be a habit of us? How is that possible? Because isn't delighting in someone or something kind of a spontaneous response to what we experience? Right? Like when we see a delightful sunset and we're driving or walking and we stop and we delight in what we see. But that's only temporary, right? That's just a short period, and then it's gone, and that delight fades. But let's uh, think about what the word delight means. Well, delight as a noun just simply means great pleasure or joy. Uh, Or it could mean something that gives great pleasure or enjoyment. Now, as a verb... It means to take great pleasure or joy. Like, I delight in taking my morning walks to be with the Lord. Or it can also mean as a verb to give great pleasure or enjoyment. Such as an old movie that still delights. We like to watch it again and again because it delights. We find delight in that movie. Now think of a time that you experienced a moment of delight Just think of that, picture it. When was the last time or a time you can remember that you were just fully delighted? How did you respond to that? What was your response to that? Well, there's a, when I was trying to imagine this, and I, I remember like times in, when I'm driving in my car, and I'm just, whatever reason, I just feel like so delighted in something You know, I just, like, want to sing, I want to whatever. And it made me think of this scene from a movie, Jerry Maguire with Tom Cruise, and I just show that video right now. It's just a moment of delight. Yeah, so this was just uh, right after something that just worked out really well for him, and he was just excited about it. He was delighting in the moment, and he wanted a song that would help him express that. So the question is, in what or who are you and I delighted in? What delights you? We delight in good food, right? Most of us, I would think, delight in good food. I delight in eating popcorn. And when we delight in something, we usually plan to try to repeat that experience, don't we, right? Because we liked it, we delighted in that, which then tends to form into a habit, right? Because, yeah, I really like that, I want that to happen again. And remember, a habit is simply, oh, I don't have my clicker. Go ahead to the next slide, or I can do that now. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, habit is simply a usual way of behaving or something that a person does often in a regular and repeated way. Just very simple there. And in light of this, then, we look to the scriptures and we see this habit of delight in the Lord appearing here and there, like in Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. And here we see that delight and regular meditation go together because naturally you want to repeat what you delight in. It forms a natural habit because we're drawn to that. This describes a habit here, right? A habit will form to pursue what you and I find delight in. It's just the way it works. I delight in eating popcorn. Many of you have heard this many times. So I have this habit that I schedule. I eat popcorn once a week. Uh, I've had to limit it to once a week. It used to be every night when I was younger, but it's once a week. So I make sure I'm going to, and I look forward to that. I know I'm in the week, and then, I'm thinking like, oh, it's Thursday. Thursday, oh, that's right. I could either tonight or tomorrow night, depending on my schedule, I can eat popcorn. Yeah, I delight in this small little delight. But I I schedule it in. You see how this works? We form a habit around what we delight. Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. How do we form the habit of, of delighting ourselves in the Lord. How do we do that? Well, we'll cover three ways today. Two come from our text, Psalm 23, 1 through 4, and one way that we'll touch on just comes from Scripture in general on how to do this. So this text here that we had read earlier for us, Psalm 23, 1 through 4, is one of the best images of delighting in the Lord in all of Scripture. Uh, this, this verses 1 through 4. And this was written by King David, or at least David. We're not sure at, at what point in his life he wrote this. But a 1,000 years after David wrote the beginning phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, Jesus, in John 10, we see in verses 11 and 14, comes out and says, I am the good shepherd. So we can actually, when we study this uh, psalm today, when we hear, the Lord is my shepherd, we can actually say, the Lord Jesus is my shepherd. And We just keep that in mind as we go through our study today. Psalm 23 is one of the most familiar passages in all of Scripture to people in general. They don't have to have been a part of a church community or even have heard the name of Jesus and know who that is, but they probably have heard this passage somewhere, usually in a funeral or in some other context that is in a need of a message of hope and comfort. And so this is a common passage that is read for that purpose. And to really understand this psalm, we need to understand shepherds in general because it's written from that perspective. An image of a shepherd was very vivid in the time of Jesus when he claimed that, you know, he is the good shepherd, and also in the time when this was written by David. And, but today, shepherd life is really unfamiliar to most of us, right? Uh, we don't, we're not, most of us don't know shepherds, or if we do, we're not that close to them. But, but here's a few facts that we can learn from the scriptures about shepherds to kind of give us some background to understand this psalm. Uh, just a pop quiz to you guys. Who was the first shepherd that was mentioned in the Bible? Anybody know? You don't get any prize or anything, just like admiration. Yeah, not Adam. It was Abel, right? Somebody over here said Abel, yeah. Abel and Cain and Abel, right? Yeah, yeah. Abel was the first shepherd, good. Shepherds we know from Scripture usually carried a bag. They carried also a rod and staff, which we see in Psalm 23, our text, right? Sometimes they lived in tents while they were uh, tending their flocks because they were very nomadic. They were always moving around. And then members of the same family, both male and female, were often acted as shepherds for watching the sheep. And sometimes they hired keepers under them to also watch the sheep. So these are some things we learn about shepherds in the Scriptures. Another pop quiz. uh, On the night Jesus was born, who did the angels appear to? Guess what? Shepherds, right? They appeared to the shepherds. So our text starts saying the Lord, (laughs) Jesus, is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And one way of delighting ourselves in the Lord is seeing and savoring the Lord Jesus as the most admirable. The most admirable. You know, admiration is one of the greatest pleasures in life, right? We admire so many things. Like if we're really into sports, we admire a sports team or a sports figure because of their great skill that we admire. <clears throat> we admire a beautiful work of art. We can just stare at it and we get such delight in that. We admire beautiful scenery of our, our Lord's creation, right? We just admire, people love going all over the world to view natural sceneries or or even ancient ruins or whatever it is we admire things like this but we see delight especially as followers of Jesus in the Lord infinite admirableness we can say in his excellencies that we see in Jesus himself and someone uh, i found this interesting as i was studying this that it's really We're able to see the excellencies in Christ when we think of the opposites that are in Him and what He has taught and who He is. For example, like His infinite justice and also His amazing grace. Wow, contrast. His glory and His humility in going to the cross to die in our place. His majesty and His meekness. His reverence toward God the Father while at the same time being equal with God the Father. His absolute goodness and His great patience with the evil in you and me and in this world. This this helps us see the excellencies of our Lord Christ. The evil one is in the business of killing your and my enjoyment of the beauty that we see in our Lord Jesus. He wants to steal that from us. We delight in Jesus because He has and He will provide for us. We lack nothing because Jesus is our shepherd. He is our shepherd. You know, there's a book written by a Canadian agrologist entitled A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And this shepherd, this guy who wrote it, Philip, Philip Keller, is an actual modern-day shepherd and who has spent many years in agricultural research, land management, and ranch development in British Columbia. And Keller's firsthand experience gives us insights into this life of a shepherd and the culture surrounding being a shepherd and a sheep. For example, he, he addresses, what does it mean, this statement, I lack nothing? Right Or in the ESV or another, I shall not want. Right, Same basic meaning. Keller says that this is a picture of a sheep utterly satisfied with its owner, utterly contented in the shepherd's care, and consequently not craving or desiring anything more. So totally satisfied. We would say that this, I mean, would we say that this describes our everyday experience in life? I lack nothing. I am utterly satisfied because Jesus is my shepherd. Think about it. The Lord Jesus as our shepherd provides for us. We lack nothing. That is delightful. I don't have to work for something that I feel like I need. Jesus is there. He's caring for me. He's my shepherd. The truth is introduced early in the Bible with this story of Abraham, that was called by God to sacrifice his only son, and then he's about to do it, and God stops him and then provides this ram to sacrifice instead. And Abraham then calls that place, the Lord will provide, or in other words, Jehovah-Jireh. God will provide. We lack nothing. It's this whole idea throughout Scripture. The shepherd For example, goes to a great deal of trouble to provide for his sheep with the best grazing and enough winter feed and clean water. He provides shelter from storms for his sheep, protection from enemies, diseases and parasites which often plague sheep. And from early dawn till late at night, the shepherd keeps watch and alert of the welfare of his flock. So this is the image here of Jesus as our shepherd and how we lack nothing. And the first thing he does every morning is he goes out and looks over his sheep to examine them and see if they're fit and content and able to be on their feet. And he can tell if any of them have been harmed or they're sick or some that got sick during the night and require some special attention. Now, we need to remember that David, who wrote this psalm, before he became king of Israel, was a shepherd. He spent a lot of time with those sheep. Throughout the day, the shepherd looks over his flock to make sure everything is all right. And even at night, the shepherds will sleep, in a sense, with one eye open and two ears alert in case they, anything is threatening their sheep so they can get up and protect their sheep. In another book, I Shall Not Want, Robert Ketchum, the author there, tells this story. And it's cute, but it's so descriptive of this psalm. It's about a Sunday school teacher who's teaching this class of kids. Uh, a variety of ages, and she asked the class, Can anyone here uh, who here can quote the entire twenty third psalm? And they had been memorizing it, and you know some kids raised their hands, and then she was so curious because this one kid was only four and a half years old. It was a little girl, and so she was you know skeptical teacher. she was like, Oh, so uh, you can quote the whole twenty third psalm, and the little girl didn't respond she just came up to the front of the room and took a bow, and then said, The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. <laughs> and then walked back and sat down. And, you know, she missed a few verses. <laughs> but she captured the idea of this psalm here is that we are completely satisfied with our shepherd. We like nothing. It's all we want is him. And then we're satisfied. The things of this world that we admire can temporarily give us some delight, but then it goes away. It's gone. And when we trust in and follow Jesus as our shepherd, the one who gives us everything we need, who promises us a future, who has redeemed us from our sin and what we deserve because of our rebellion against the living God, we lack nothing. We lack nothing and we can be absolutely satisfied, not temporarily, but forever. He is our our go-to to be delighted in. And therefore, a habit can form because we find delight in the Lord every time we go to Him. So one way of delighting ourselves in the Lord is seeing and savoring the Lord Jesus as the most admirable thing and person in our life. Then, the second way we see in our text here is the, that we can delight ourselves in the Lord is embracing and knowing Jesus as the intimate, caring Savior and friend for us. Psalm 23, 2 goes on and says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And so here we see that we delight in Jesus because he know, we know He cares for us. That comforts us when you know someone really cares for you. And, you know, it's not easy to get sheep to lie down. So that's why in our life groups we were noticing in verse 2, it says, he makes us lie down in green pastures. It's like he has to make us lie down. It's not like we're just going to be blop, like most of us. Like at the end of the day, we're like, boom, you know. But no, sheep don't lie down very easily. Um, it's strange about sheep because they refuse to lie down unless four requirements are met, all right? And they're very fickle this way. So they, here's one, they must be free from all fear, okay? Two, there they must be no tension among the other members of the flock, like no conflicts or fights or stuff, okay? Three, they must be free from any, like, sickness, flies, parasites that often inflict their face and eyes and stuff, and four, they must be fully fed because if they're not, they're going to want to stand up and eat the grass, right? They're not going to lie down. So those four requirements need to be fully met. So this is an image of tremendous, absolute satisfaction and safety. He makes us lay down in green pastures because we are totally satisfied in him. Verses 3 and 4, oh, this is a, a sheep that is totally satisfied. See, there's all that grass around him. He's not even interested in eating it because he's satisfied. Verses 3 and 4 continue. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths, the right paths, for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Notice he changed now to second person, speaking directly to the shepherd. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me know here to understand this a little more is that there's this old English shepherd's term called a cast sheep and this is when a sheep turns over on its back and it can't get up you know I fall down I can't get up you know help and they're just on their back and and their legs are wiggling in the air and you know they're not very coordinated so they 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 can't get up and um, and this frequently happens and all the sheep can do is lie on his back and with its feet moving in the air, and this is what one looks like, all right? Sometimes it'll bleat, you know, but most of the time it's just there wagging its feet, you know? And if a shepherd doesn't come in a short period of time, the sheep will die. Um, it's the same with cows. And I've, I mean, I've seen this in my farmer's relatives in Iowa where they have found they cast cow dead. <laughs> I mean, this big 1,500-pound cow is dead. But the same applies to sheep. And this here is an image of refreshment and restoration because he restores our soul. So it's in this idea that our shepherd Jesus helps us in our helplessness, and he sets us right, right? He leads us in the right paths. He puts us back up on our feet when we're like, ah, ah I can't do anything, ah, you know. <laughs> and, and he puts us right. He restores us. Jesus saved us by giving his own life for you and for me when we didn't even deserve it. We were, deserved to leave there in our helplessness, but he came to save us by paying the punishment for our sin, by redeeming us from our sin and what our sin deserved. And then we can live forever in him with a relationship that will last forever and delight in our Lord Jesus by faith and following him in trust and obedience. Now, if sheep are left to themselves, they will continue to graze the hills in the same area until it turns into a desert because they will eat right down to the roots and rip those roots out if they can. And so they need a shepherd to kind of guide them to better feeding grounds so that the rest can, can grow again. They can go back there in the, in the future. But we are like sheep. We follow our own ways all the time. We do our own stuff. This is, we are our biggest idol, that gets in the way of following Jesus as our shepherd. And Isaiah 53, 6 describes this so well. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, each of us turned to his own way. For us today, you know, when we talk about sheep, we're not really agricultural, but back throughout scripture, they've it was sheep were the go-to for stupid animals. And here, we all are like sheep. Because we just go our own way, even though we have a caring, loving, admirable shepherd willing to care for us. Our hearts delight in the Lord by embracing, it's not working now, go to the next slide, embracing and knowing Jesus as the intimate and caring Savior and friend for us. Jesus saves us. He guides us. He refreshes our soul. He cares for us as a friend. He protects us from the evil one. He forgives us. He loves us. And the more we embrace and know Jesus as our intimate, caring Savior and friend, the more we will delight in Him and His presence in our life. You know, it's kind of like, I heard this image and it was very telling of this. Imagine we're on the edge of the Grand Canyon. I don't know, how many of you here have been actually seen the Grand Canyon? A few of us, okay. I have never. But I've heard it's a magnificent sight when you're standing on the edge and you look at this enormity and the beauty of the scene of the Grand Canyon and it affects you and you find delight in that. But we would not find delight in this scene if while standing there we were terrified that we might fall into the canyon and be killed by the canyon itself, we would have no delight in getting close and taking a look at that canyon. And it's the same with the Lord Christ, Jesus, is that we can know for sure that His beauty and His excellencies we can delight in because He cares for us. He loves us, and He died for you and me. And that is delightful. To delight ourselves in the Lord who is our shepherd. Lastly, another way to delight ourselves in the Lord, we find throughout Scripture, is by gratefully receiving everything He has made. Now let me go through a few Scriptures that point to this. Psalm 19:1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. James One seventeen, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Colossians 2, 6 and 7, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. We receive everything He has made and given and done to us and for us with gratefulness and thankfulness. We delight ourselves in the Lord by gratefully receiving everything He has made and we, when we see a beautiful scenery like the Grand Canyon or the stars in the sky, whatever it is, a beautiful person, whatever it is, we can give thanks to the Lord God because He has made this. And it's an it's a extension of who He is, the beauty of Himself in His creation. We delight in things like delicious food, wonderful sex with our spouse, uh, our companionship as part of a community like this, the great skill and ability of others where we're just amazed and we're like, whoa, these are gifts from above, from our Creator that we can take delight in, but we give delight in Him who has given these things for us. We can... Enjoy the intelligence that you and I have to understand very complex things like theology and science and technology and biology and philosophy because of what God has given us and how He's made us. And we gratefully give God thanks and we delight in His gift to us. Every good and perfect gift in our lives is from the Lord God. And so... We delight ourselves in the Lord by gratefully receiving everything He's made. So what can we practically do to encourage our hearts? To build this habit of delighting in the Lord. What can we do practically? So I figured I better list out some ways. I did some uh, looking around and what others as well. I made this list here. I'll read them off because it's pretty small. Write down your own personal psalm. Like if you're into poetry, just write a poem to the Lord, about the Lord, expressing your delight in the Lord. Dance before Him. I don't know if any of you, when you're just really delighting in the Lord or you're just moved by some truth, you just want to move. Like sometimes when you're worshiping, right? You want to move. I know this is mostly an Asian crowd. just Right? But yeah, I'm just joking with you guys. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, don't you want to just move? Like, you know, like, Tom Cruise was there and there. I mean, he wasn't doing anything spiritual there. But, uh, you know, you just haven't any of you ever just felt so delighted in the Lord and you just want to sing in the car. Nobody's going to hear you. You're beating this, you know, to the beat and all that. Anybody? Well, anyway, I, I have. Yeah. Oh, okay, George. Yeah. Eyeball. No, just kidding. Yeah, think of, thank him for the long list of things he's done. Just list them out. You know, count your blessings, we say uh, in another song we sing. Memorize the truth of Scripture so we can go back to it and remember these truths that we can stand firm in and delight in the Lord. Encourage somebody in the name of Jesus. Just encourage somebody who's down. Sing to the Lord. Love someone who is unkind to you. (laughs) That's divine. Love in the name of Jesus because He loved us when we rebelled against Him. Serve a widow or orphan in our community. Read God's Word as often as we can. Again, and listen to the Lord. Praise Him. Share with others the delight we have in Jesus. Because, you know, if we delight in anything that's just so delightful, we got to tell somebody about it. I mean, that's a lot of social media, right? Oh, this food's awesome. This movie's great. You know, this stuff. But as Christians, we're like, no, I don't know. I share about Jesus because, you know, I don't know. Right? But if we delight and find delight, we just want to share. We can build this habit of delighting in the Lord, the habits of our heart. The Lord Jesus is our delight. And the more we know about His life and His living and His teaching and His death and His resurrection and now the truth that is true because of His resurrection, of Him as Lord and Savior and Redeemer and the future we have in those who follow Him. What a delight to be in the presence of the Lord. So let's take that delight and share it with as many people. But let's enjoy it ourselves as often as we can. Let's pray. Lord, may your excellencies that are contained in who you are, what you have done, what you have created, your plan of salvation, your ridding this world once and for all of evil, And the new age on heaven and earth that is to come where we will reign with you forever in delight. Lord, may this just fill our minds and our hearts more and more as we build this habit of delighting ourselves in you so that it affects the everyday stuff of life and just in a sense we bear the aroma of Christ with everyone who comes into our our sphere of influence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.